Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 5a. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. One of the things that might surprise you about the book of Revelation is that it is a letter. It's more than that, but it's at least that. In the ancient Greek style, a letter began with the name of the sender followed by the name of the recipient. Well, this letter begins by telling us it is from John. That's John the Apostle, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, who had been a fisherman until Jesus called him to follow. Church tradition teaches us that John was the only one of Jesus' twelve disciples who was not executed for his Christian faith. Instead, he lived a fairly long life, and this letter was probably written in the 80s or 90s of the first century, so about 50 to 60 years after Jesus died. He's writing to the seven churches that are in Asia. Asia is not what we think of as Asia today. Instead, back then it was a province of the Roman Empire that made up a large part of what we would call the nation of Turkey. There were probably more than seven churches in Asia. He probably chose to write to seven in part because seven has special significance in ancient Jewish thought. Revelation is a letter full of symbols, and one of those symbols is the number seven, which was a number that represented completion, even perfection. And so while John was probably literally writing to seven churches, the selection of exactly seven was almost certainly intentional, as if to say this letter has meaning for the complete church, all the churches, every church everywhere through all time. And so it's relevant for us today. Well, after the to and from of an ancient letter, there would be a greeting. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. This greeting probably starts off sounding familiar because it's also how the Apostle Paul introduced his letters, Grace and Peace. It was a blessing of sorts on the recipients, not just a cordiality. Grace and peace are promised to Christians, but Christians also know that they need a new supply daily. Grace is God's unmerited favor, his unearned gifts. We need God's grace because we certainly have not earned anything from him, but we are weak and frail sinners in an often dark and evil world. Christ ultimately made Christians at peace with God through his blood on the cross. But as Greg Beale puts it in his commentary, in the midst of times of external turmoil, they need the inner peace that only the eternal God who is sovereign over the vicissitudes of space-time history can give. I suspect that many of us feel the need for such peace in these times. We will get into it as we go through this book, but it seems that the Christians to whom John was writing were undergoing persecution, or would soon be undergoing persecution. They were facing cultural pressures to conform and cheapen or abandon their Christian faith. It was for them a dark hour. Where will this grace and peace come from? Well, from God, the triune God. 
One of the great verses that points to the Trinity is here, as John says that this grace and peace come from the Father, from the Spirit, and from the Son. But listen to how he describes each. The Father is him who is and who was and who is to come. This reminds me of when Moses asked God his name in Exodus 3. There God said, I am who I am. But that can also be translated, I will be who I will be. The idea was that God was self-defining, self-existent, eternal, and unchanging. A similar sentiment is here. No matter what was going on in these Christians' lives, they could be assured that they worshipped a God who was around before all of this, who is present in the midst of this, and who will continue to be God when all this is finished. What a comfort for the Christian. The Spirit is described as the seven spirits, or the sevenfold spirit. Sevenfold spirit is probably closer to the intended meaning. It's a callback to Zechariah 4, where Zechariah sees a vision of a lampstand with seven lamps, and an angel tells him it is a reference to the Spirit. Revelation is full of Old Testament images and callbacks. Here, the Spirit is before the throne, so he is in the presence of the Father, but figuratively also in a position between God's people, Christians, and the Father, perhaps ready to be sent out to our aid. But the greeting also comes from Jesus, and here we get a lot of detail, and it's important. First, Jesus is the faithful witness. Witness, as we saw last time, is a key theme of this book. Christians must be prepared to give testimony of Jesus to a lost world. Jesus went before us and was, in fact, a faithful witness himself, a true witness. He spoke the truth even though it cost him his life. Thus, we should emulate him. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. As we approach Easter Sunday, we may be thinking more than usual about Jesus' resurrection. That Jesus was the firstborn from the dead, the first to be resurrected to this new life. He is hope and promise for all Christians that we will join him in this resurrection. He's firstborn of the dead because there will be others coming after him. And that is hope for the one who gives up his life as a faithful witness. Third, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. It is almost without question that the Christians John is writing to were facing persecution that at times was sanctioned by the government. They lived under the rule of emperors who could do nearly as they pleased. But John wants to remind these Christians that Caesar would have to bow the knee to King Jesus. So too, no matter what comes in this world for us Christians, no matter where it comes from, there is no power that harms us that will not ultimately bow in surrender before King Jesus. It's a reminder that no matter what we're going through, there is a king on the throne, and his name is Jesus. The introduction to this letter continues over the next several verses, but I want to keep these devotions short. So you'll have to join us next time. Until then, may you find the grace and peace of the triune God.